So we are continuing our series on Corinthians. We're still in two Corinthians, yep. Seems to, uh, I loved Kathy's um, meme this week. <laughs> Not everyone, no. Um, we, we're looking forward to carrying on for two Corinthians for as long as possible. So let me uh, read the passage for you. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles, even though I am nothing. The things that mark an apostle, signs, wonders, and miracles, were done among you with great perseverance. How were you inferior to the other churches, except that I was never a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now I am ready to visit you for the third time. And I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you, yet... Crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same course? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, debauchery in which they have indulged. It's a, it's a, a, a hard verse, I think. Um, Chris. I'm not speaking on this. <laughs> Father, as Chris speaks to us, I pray that we open our hearts and our minds uh, to what you have to say to us this morning. Amen. 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 September the 5th, nine, uh, 2021. What was that day? Memorable day in this church's life. September the 5th, 2021. Do you not know? The first sermon on 2 Corinthians. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was sort of feeling that Laurie uh, 
planned a sabbatical to just like, okay, you guys can get through the rest of it while I go away, okay? Uh, in fact, next week is the last one. Um, next one's, uh, Martin's going to come next Sunday to close down 2 Corinthians for us, so do be here for that, chapter 13. I want to say at the beginning of this that, y- you know, if you don't know, I'll say it anyway, I've got a really high opinion of Scripture. Amen? It is truth, and it's truth in a very deep level. It speaks truth to the cosmos and to our souls, and Holy Spirit takes it and does stuff and searchlights stuff. It's a living, active word, right? It's, it's, not, it's not a textbook in the way that you, some people want it to be. It's not a list of rules. Um, it's, it's not even a list of equations, which is much nicer in a way from my point of view, but it's not, it, right? It, it, but it is absolute truth. Amen? Uh, and therefore, I want to say at the beginning of this, I absolutely respect every verse of Scripture, Right? And it all speaks. However, in this bit, I, I do think Paul's lost it a bit. If you mark this as an essay, you'd say there is no theme in this section. It's all over the place. Uh, Chat GPT would not have written this verse like this. It would have been much more structured. It's, it's, it's just bits of th- he's coming to the end. Now, to be fair, tell me if you put your hands up, have you ever heard sermons which start in a direction... And then towards the end, waffle all over the place. And then eventually the preacher says, I'm coming to land, and comes to some point, you think you could have said that half an hour ago. Yeah, put your hands up, is that true? Yeah. And so it's a bit like that, really, I think. He's had, he's had like 11 chapters doing stuff. And the last chapter, chapter 13, is clear. In fact, actually, last week was clear. Ruth approached very well last week on a very, you know, very clear section, which has about, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. When I'm weak, then am I strong. Yeah? Remember that stuff? I'm going to pick it up again. This section's a whole bit of bits and pieces that Paul wants to talk. So I'm going to go through it, not quite verse by verse, but section by section. If the technology works, oh, yes, look, it has worked. Paul, you're wonderful. Oh, no, hang on. You're not that wonderful because I've got the wrong screen on here. It starts off, I have made a fool of myself. Part of me thinks, yes, you have. <laughs> You've gone on for two chapters about this stuff, and okay? <laughs> but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I'm not in the least inferior to these super apostles. You, this phrase has come up several times, remember? It's what these people at Corinth were confusing the church and claiming to be special, claiming to be apostles who knew more about the gospel than Paul did and anyone, and had been leading the church astray while Paul was away. So he refers to them again. It's a bit, you know, apologetic. Even though I am, say it, is he nothing? Is he weak? Sorry? And, right? Is he nothing? No, yes he is, but no he isn't. Right? This is one of these things again where the answer is yes and no, I'm afraid. Last week, we, we, we got to this, the core of this last week with the your grace is sufficient for me. Paul says, look, look, I, I, I want to celebrate the fact I'm, you know, I can do miracles and stuff, and I'm an apostle, and I've done all this stuff, but I celebrate the fact that humanly I'm weak. Because when I'm humanly weak, I can be spiritually strong. Now, I've got this picture, because in my head, it's something like this. And I don't, this may or may not help you. Oh, too much. All right? It's something like this. I think, it, it, because we don't want to be weak. And we're not weak. Because what's that verse in 2 Peter? He's given us everything we need to live this life successfully. Remember? Right? In God's strength, we're absolutely strong. We have the victory. Amen? 
There, there is nothing. I mean, Paul just, you know, does miracles and stuff and, and signs and wonders and stuff. But humanly speaking, he's weak. He doesn't do those in his own strength. If what I say this morning in any way resonates with you, and by the way, this sermon is going to be a whole other little bits, okay? It's episodic, I think. There's not one big theme. There's lots of little bits, okay? So if the bit, one bit I say hits you, then by all means stick on that and just ignore the rest. Fall asleep or play on your phone, youth. Didn't say that. Sorry, James. All right, okay? But, 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 but when something, if, something, if something hits you, but look out for verse 14, guys. Look out for verse 14, Tim. Uh, do you know what verse 14 is? No, okay, we'll get there. Um, uh, come back. But if something hits you, that, that's, I think, what this is about. There's lots of bits. And this first bit is something about the way we get from our human weakness, okay, in the world, do you understand? To engage the fact we're strong spiritually, because we are, is by faith. It's faith that says, I can't do it, but God can. And I'm willing to take a chance and a risk. Yeah? I'm willing to, to, to step out, even though I'm not sure I can cope, because I know God is going to get on my back. Tell you a story. It's a story that I almost did well in. I often tell stories where I do badly. So this is one where I almost got it right. I was on the train. Did I tell you the story on, on Friday? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was on the train to Sheffield on, um, on Monday, because uh, I go and do grandparent care in, in Bamford. And uh, I was on the train. I was on my laptop. The man came down and checked the tickets. I'll show you my ticket. And... Uh, doing emails, and he went down the train. The next table down, there were two lads who clearly, well, they had tickets, but not the right tickets. And they hadn't got rail cars, so they'd done them on rail cars, okay? And anyway, they, so the inspector said, ooh, blah, blah, blah. And <coughs> your tickets are invalid. You've got to buy a new ticket, that's 50 quid, and a 100 pound fine. Having the wrong ticket. And of course, they sort of started stropping about it and saying it's unreasonable. The inspector called his mate. In about 10 minutes, they got so there were like three police, sorry, uh, train people arguing one side. These two lads, the other. Other people in the carriage were getting drawn into the argument. And I'm trying to do my emails. <laughs> and I thought, and I, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, what's going on here? Holy Spirit said, pretty clearly, offer to pay it. I haven't told Ali this yet, by the way. <laughs> um, but she can't, I'll do it here, she can't tell me off. Uh, and so in the end, I, I got my credit card out and I stood up and said, look, you know, it's 10 minutes of shouting and arguing and the police, but the inspectors at this point threatened to call the police at Leicester and throw them off the train and get them arrested. I thought, the police don't want to deal with this. They've got important things to do, maybe. And so I held my credit card up and said, look, I'll pay it. Just, look, just pay it, you know, brackets. I won't get on my emails, I can't stand this argument. <laughs> and suddenly, everything calmed down. It's really weird. The train person said, oh, you can't do that. No, it's fine. And the two lads said, oh, thanks very much, but it's okay, no. And they gave their names, addresses, and the train inspector decided to charge them for the ticket, not for the fine, and everyone was all happy and smiley. And the inspector bill went, and I sat with them, and I thought, if they say, why do you do that? I will say, because the Holy Spirit told me to. Yeah? Um, in one sense... I'm glad they didn't say, why'd you do that? <laughs> we just talked about sport and stuff for, till Derby and they got off. Does that make sense? But I, I think it's that sort of thing. For me, Paul does amazing stuff. There's a bit in Acts where it says, and the Holy Spirit did extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul, where they took even his handkerchiefs and people got healed. Right? 
I've often offered my handkerchief to people, but no one seems to ever want to, to have them. <laughs> Just checking. I'm not an apostle, though I follow Jesus. And it's faith, it's trusting Holy Spirit to say, although I'm weak, I don't really want to do this. I'm strong in the Spirit. Did you get that? So Paul can say, I'm nothing. Though actually, he's going, he spent the last, Paul, you say you're nothing. You spent the last two chapters saying how good you are and all the stuff you've done. Do you get? But he's weak, he's nothing, and he's something. He's weak, and he is strong. It's not that simple. But as they go, if that lands you, they come more later. Where are we going next? Where are we going next? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you go back to September 2021, we started 2 Corinthians. You go back two more years, we started 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Just thought the, the very beginning, the very first sermon in 1 Corinthians about seven years ago. Uh, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and despise things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. We don't, thank you, it's okay, I've, not, I've now noticed I've knocked it off, so thank you very much. Sir. So we can't boast if, if, as Jesus followers, we do something that's really impressive, it's not us, it's Jesus. Amen? As a church, if we do stuff, the people say, wow, look at them. It's not us, it's Jesus. I persevered in, I'm carrying on two Corinthians now, Uh, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. That's one of the marks of a true apostle. The the, the signs and wonders, the miracles, God can do whatever he wants to, but they are signs, they're they're pointers, they, they, they validate. Jesus did this stuff, and part of that proves that he was who he said he was. When he says the winds and waves, be calm, and the disciples go, whoa! Who can speak to the waves and make it calm down? It's not, it's, not, it's not just a show of impressive force. It's a demonstration, a sign to say, this is the Son of God. This is someone who's there at creation. And so Paul says, I did this, the marks of the apostle, they signs and wonders. They're not th- much in themselves. People do get healed. Things happen. Although actually in Acts 19, when, he goes to, to, when it records the story, the history of him going to Corinth, there aren't actually many miracles recorded. But Paul says he persevered. I want to pick on that. First thing, weakness, humanly, spiritual strength, the bridge is our faith, our willingness to trust God, to step out and do stuff. Second thing, perseverance. There's something here about perseverance. Paul was there quite a long time. It wasn't a quick fix in Corinth. And some years later, here he is writing letters, and I'm to go back and see them again. It takes time. There's quite a lot of stuff in the gospel, about us persevering. God is a persevering God. We don't say that. We say he's a faithful God. God is a faithful God. Over over eons, I always want things now. I always want things to happen instantly, whatever that happens to be. I I mean, I rush in a hurry. My son challenged me just yesterday, actually. Dad, you can't fix this quickly. Slow down. My daughter says I get into manic mode. She here this morning. No, not good. You know, well, I just get it done. That's just not God. And many of us, I think, just have to hear sometimes that word that you have to persevere. That it takes time sometimes, both to grow as a disciple 
and to see things happen. I quoted here. I don't think I've got it on the screen. I haven't got it on the screen. Oh, my word. Um, this is, um, I'm going to read a bit from James 5. Just listen. Let it flow over you. If this is for you, let it flow over you. James says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord is coming. The Lord's coming is near, sorry. Don't grumble against one another or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He's re referencing the prophets and, and Job who like have, I mean, the whole of their life were the prophets. They didn't see what happened. They're saying this stuff, and, and often they're not listened to at all, and there is, the fulfillment happens thousands of years later. Yeah? As an example of perseverance, of sometimes hanging in, of trusting what God said. We have both personally and corporately words that God's given us, and I want them to action now. I want it now. I'm sounding like Vrugasort again. <laughs> I want it, and I want it from Charlie Chocolate Factory. Reference, yeah. But sometimes I know we have to persevere. Amen. And sometimes that's hard. And Paul says here, I think he comes from his heart. I persevered in the stuff. It wasn't a quick hit coming in and do it. And wow, a new church is building off. I go. I was there for a while. I'll come into that in a minute, actually. Uh, how will you fear? He says to other churches, except that I was never a burden to you. I've highlighted that because. Acts 19 again, it's, if, if you know the story, read it. He goes to Corinth and he meets Priscilla and Aquila. And it says in Acts 19 verse 3, it says, oh, they, they were the same trade, they were tent makers. And so Paul stayed with them. I don't know if Paul always did this, but certainly at Corinth, he didn't take support from the church. He worked for a living, right? And he's never a burden to them. And so is there some, probably, actually, that meant he had less time doing ministry and stuff, okay? I mean, to be honest, I quite like the idea of a tent maker who's an apostle, because the occasional, like, miraculous tent. I do, <laughs> I do wonder whether if you brought a tent from Paul, whether it'd be like, you know, put itself up, you know what I mean by that? <laughs> you know, you remember that? Everyone's ever put up big tents, big frame tents and marquees and stuff. You know, that'd be, that'd be cool, you know, like, anyway, sorry. But Paul's boasting here because he didn't make himself a burden. Do you get the power that comes from that, for him anyway? Uh, then he gets his next bit, which I think is really wonderful, actually. Uh, is it the next bit? Come on. Computer? Cool. Ooh. Now I'm ready to visit you. Uh, the, 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 just a historical comment. No one quite knows the visits. He was there, obviously, in Acts 19. He first went there, founded the church. And there's clearly reference here to a second visit. We don't know when that was. We don't quite know, the, you know when he went, came and went. But he's now at this point saying, I'm coming at you again a third time. And this time it's going to be, I'm going to have to sort things out. But then there's this phrase here. I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but that phrase resonates with me. And it resonates with me at three levels. Firstly, Paul is saying it as a messenger of the gospel, as a pastor. As a, not, it wasn't a vicar, but you know what I mean by that. Yeah, as a church leader. Yeah. What I'm interested in is not the stuff, but you. Not even the stuff that is like numbers on a sheet and success as a church. What I want is your friendship, your, your relationship. I want you, yeah? Do you get that? And I think it works because that's what Jesus says, isn't it? I don't want your stuff. I don't want, I don't want you know, your money. I want you. 
I want a relationship with you. And I think it works from us to Jesus. Because there is stuff that comes. We don't come to Jesus, I hope anyway, because we want eternal life and peace and all that stuff. And the ability to perform miracles and make tents automatically erect, whatever. We come because we want himself. I think anyway. Just rest on that a second. The son came to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a, a, there's a, a heart of what Jesus says this morning to all of us is, I want you. Now, once he's got you, your possessions sort of come fit in. Do you get me? Once you choose to follow Jesus, everything I've got, Lord, is, is you know, yours. But that's what he comes for. He wants a relationship with you. And if we've got our heads screwed on right, what I desire most of all is Jesus himself, is his presence, his relationship. It's a love relationship in the end. It's a love relationship between me and Jesus. I love because he first loved me, but it's that relationship. And it's very easy sometimes, particularly in good churches like what we are, to get involved in the stuff that goes around it and not in the relationship. And it's particularly for those who lead churches who get too involved in the stuff that happens around churches, not in the core relationship. If you lead a house group, we're on the staff. The core thing is raising with Jesus, not the stuff that goes around it. Paul, of course, is talking specifically about the fact that he'd been accused by the super apostles only out for money, and he's refuting that. But it's a general thing, I think. And then he goes on, if I'm right anyway, Oh, here's the, verse, here's, the, here's the verse for youth. Read it out loud. After all, children should not say for their, but the parents should say for their. Okay. If you're a parent here, put your hand up. Make sure you're saving for your kids. If you're a child here, look at your parent. Ask when your inheritance is coming. Okay. There's actually one of my favorite verses, actually. This, this, I don't show you this verse. I, I can't remember where it is. Proverbs, th- Proverbs 13.22. Do you know this verse? A good person leaves an inheritance for their... No. A good person leaves an inheritance for their... Children's children. If you're a grandparent here, put your hand up. Okay. There's something about that, actually, which I think is quite biblical in a funny way. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible, in the Old Testament, about I will visit the sins upon their children's... Okay, there's something about that, that, that I don't understand it quite, that hereditary thing about the fact that stuff propagates down the line. That makes sense? But a good person needs to inherit their children's children. Uh, this gets me out of giving money to my kids because I can give it to my grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. What's Paul saying here? He's saying a little bit that actually, as a pastor, he's parent to this church in Corinth and all of us are in some way. For all of us there are people maybe only one or two people maybe more than that for whom we look after in the kingdom. A parenting type relationship where we give for them. And if you're in any sort of leadership you'll know that. If you're on a youth group or a home group you'll know that. And again there's something from Paul's heart here 
I will, he says. Here we go. Um, gladly expend everything uh, I have and expend myself as well. Because you want to see, I want a relationship with Jesus, and I want to see other people have that. And these people for whom I feel responsible, I will do everything I can. I won't name names, but, but I saw a guy yesterday, a lad yesterday from this church. And, and it was gr- just to see him. I had a good time, a cup of coffee. But what I want is, I want his friend Jesus to keep growing. I want to see him grow. Do you get that? And that's right and good and proper. And it's okay to let that happen. To let Holy Spirit prompt us to spend time with people because I want to see them grow. And sometimes, uh, yeah, take a moment. Who are the people? Maybe a long time ago, if you're me, it's a long, long time ago. It's back in the 13th century. But who are the people who led you to Jesus? Who are the people who brought you into kingdom? Who are the people who discipled you? Who are the people who lead you now? Let's do it that way around first. Just thank God for them. Just thank God for them. And who are the people on your heart now for whom God calls you? To be a father to, to be to spend yourself in encouraging them in the kingdom. Some of them will be people your same age. Not, not, not an age thing here. Some of the people are older than you. Some people are younger than you. One of the people who disciples me is younger than me by quite a lot. Just recognize that, God. We just want to build into that. Amen. It's, it's episodic. If that lands for you, let it land. Uh, oh, same spirit at the end of the bottom. Team. Really important. He goes on and saying, look, he's got a team. Paul has a team. Titus and the unnamed person. Um, but... They're a team. They have got the same spirit. I pray to God that our team here is a team. Amen? If you're on team, I CLT, stand up. Or if you're on PCC, stand up. PCC, sorry. The rest of you, put your hand out and pray for these people. Other people as well, just pray for them. That we are united. That we have one spirit. That we walk in the footsteps by the same spirit, the same footsteps. And people said, Amen, Saddam. Uh, have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves to you? Yes, I have, Paul. Actually, that seems to be going on, but we have been speaking in the sight of God to those in Christ. Everything we do, if you're strengthening, bless you, Paul. I don't know, I want to say that. I'm not sure. It always is. Everything Laurie and I do is for your strengthening. Yeah? You see, what he's saying here is this. He wants that to go to where it was. When we do stuff for your strengthening, we can't strengthen this, can we? Because it's already there. Agreed? God's done that. And we can't strengthen this, can we? Because it's rubbish. Agreed? What we can do is encourage and strengthen that link. Do you get it? If you remember it, that one's bigger. Okay, it's smaller. I should put it together, shouldn't I? That's the strength thing I think he's talking about. That people can live in the truth of what is true. They can a- a- access that stuff. We're close to the end now. Uh, at the end, there's a warning. 
because the church, clearly there's bad things happening in the church. Nasty list there about, uh, here we go, where is it? Uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip. He's worried when he goes there, he's going to have to tell them off, basically. It, it, and that's not a great thing to do. I'm going to not say much about that at all. I'm not going to do that either. I think we're going to worship in a moment. Do you want to stand, do you, do you want to stand with me, please, first? So I just say, there's a load of little things there, okay? There's not a, I've landed after about five little bits and pieces. Not a theme there at all. I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. It is the text. There's a book I've just read called Preaching with a Grain of Scripture. And it's a book that says, like, you know, if the text takes you all over the place, go all over the place. So I'm sorry. That's what Paul gave me. Or Laurie. Hold one thing. Let Holy Spirit hold one thing. If there's nothing, that's absolutely fine. But if there's something, Holy Spirit spoken to you, build into that truth and let the truth surround you. Whether it be unity or giving for each other, or whether it be about a heart love for Jesus and forgetting the stuff and making sure we spend time in that pursuit of Jesus, his love for us. Maybe it's again reminding us that God loves us in that intimate, personal way. Whatever it is, let it land. Thank God for it. And we're going to respond in worship. I guess just John's going to lead us. I can't see yet. Him? Yeah, good. And the Sam's not coming, so we'll respond in worship. But take your time. Use time as always to worship God, but to be responsive as well. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. That you're a faithful God. Thank you for this church. Thank you for 800 years of people faithful preaching the gospel here. Father, help us to, to persevere in building your kingdom. To persevere in pushing into the revelation you've given us and the truth you've given us. Father, help us to be a community. <laughs> Unlike Corinth, where there's not... Jealousy and discord here, Lord, but there's unity in your spirit. Care for each other. Love for you, Jesus. And we bless your name.